Jonathan Edwards once wrote, It is a matter of great comfort and rejoicing to any person, whatever circumstances he is in, when he can say that he knows that his Redeemer lives. Join Adam Howell, Ryan Hanley, and Caleb Niedemeyer as they discuss living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness podcast. Welcome to Oaks of Righteousness podcast. I am your host, Caleb Niedemeyer, joined by Adam Howell and Ryan Hanley. Hello. Gentlemen, I did want to talk um, about our affections and how they're doing in, in these strange, different times that we have um, begun to, to um, traverse in, in life with the, the coronavirus, COVID-19 running rampant throughout this, throughout this land, in this world. And um, so a lot of people are looking for hope. A lot of people are looking for uh, security that has been, been lost uh, because of um, our routines have been upended. And uh, I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about that and just hope and security that we have in our affections that will then help help ease um, and help us get through these times, these uncertain times in the world. So that's kind of the direction that I wanted to go uh, with with what we talk about today. So so Ryan, if it's true, can you uh, can you walk through how how deeply rooted affections help and secure us even in uncertain times. Yeah, so I would I would say right off the bat um if our affections are deeply rooted in Christ, are deeply impacted and uh, directed by thorough saturation in the word of God, um then it's not that these things don't affect us. It's not that they don't uh cause us to be on the alert and to take things seriously, but uh, you know, on the one hand, in many ways, these kinds of things are are predicted. Um, whatever your view of quote the end times are, uh, we know that um, you know there is disease in this world, and until Christ fully and finally sets up His kingdom, we are going to have these kinds of things, and we ought not to be surprised by them. Um, so great, I'm not surprised by it, but it's still here. But but also, um, if if our affections are deeply rooted in Christ and informed by the Word of God, uh, then in in theory, then we've been saturating in that 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 He's near, He's present, uh, He's with us, and I can't imagine anyone other than than God being with us in a situation like this. And you know, how could that not bring us hope? How could that not give us security even when things are going crazy. Um, not saying that, again, that we, we, we aren't concerned about things, that we don't take things seriously, or that we sit around stoically just like, okay, well, the Lord has all this in his hands, so I'll just sit back and feel nothing. Um, but, and, and, and again, I would, I would say that that's sort of dependent on to the extent that we are resting in Christ, that we are walking faithfully in his word, um, absorbing his word regularly. I think if we're not doing that, it's, you know, how else could we expect to find hope? How else could we expect to find peace in troubled times? Um, but, oh, I had something I was going to say and I forgot what it was. Um, 
Oh, what what I found myself, honestly, in the recent days, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things. I'd say that I've had my own ups and downs, but by and large, I've just had a, a massive sense of like recognizing God's presence in our world in a very tangible and real way. You know, when I look around at his church, doing anything and everything that they can to to, to stay connected, to, to stay with one another. Um, it's, it's hard not to find hope in that. It's hard not to see that, that the Lord is working in that. Like finding our, our hope in, and you were just saying, having to take in consistently the word of God. So when, when this happens and, and our response is fear and our um, response is uh, anxiousness, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to sound like really cynical, but like, like it reveals something about us when, when things happen in life that don't go the way that we planned and then we respond in a certain way, but how, how do we respond in a right way to these times? How do, how do we come up, come out of this without, without overreacting and without overreacting in the other way, which is que sera, sera. Um, and, and you don't really, you don't really want to, you want to have a balance, a wisdom balance in that, but how do you, how do, how do right affections propel that right response? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe part of it gets into that distinction we tried to make a hundred years ago about, uh, the difference between affections or emotions, but whatever you're feeling and, you know, however you categorize or classify that, um, how we feel about things is a really, really great indicator of what's going on. And um, in the past couple weeks, when I have found myself anxious, uh, fearful about something, um, that's that's been a great indicator to me that, okay, it's time to trust in the Lord, right? It's time to turn to Him. It's If I'm feeling fear, uh, you know, what is that fear rooted in? And, and it's it's showing that there is a distance between myself and the Lord, at least in some way. And, and again, like you said, it's not like we're um, feeling nothing, uh, but, but where fear exists, you know, we just know that there's a, a need to rely upon and depend upon the Lord. So, you know, go back to him. Uh, what, what I've found myself doing then is um, returning uh, more fervently to prayer or spending more time in the word, um, not uh, unironically, I've been reading through the book of Revelation for the past probably month, almost a month, I guess. Uh, I guess 22 days. I just finished 22 today. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in there that I'm like, <laughs> whoa, how do I not see this through this lens right now? So, Adam, do you want to respond to that? Due to his computer freezing, Adam had to completely guess at what was just said. All right, so I don't know how this is going to fit into the bigger conversation that just happened, but uh, I, the couple of things that came to my mind was um, Psalm one nineteen eighty one. Uh, my soul longs for your salvation. Uh, so there's this notion of longing that I think is associated with affections. That there's a desire. There's something out there that we want. Um, I think in this context, it's your salvation. Um, I'm not sure that that's a present salvation. I think that's more referring to a future salvation uh, or even just for a, a rescue or a relief maybe in the Psalter where salvation is equivalent to some sort of relief from whatever suffering is going on. That's what we're longing for. There's a desire for that. 
But then the the parallel thought here in Psalm 119, verse 81 is, I hope in your word. And so in the midst of that desire for relief, that longing for relief, that need for relief, our hope is in God's word. There's truth. Like we have to run to the truth to drive our affections. And, you know, depending on how closely you relate affections with emotions, um, I, I tend to make a pretty strong distinction between those, um, but some people make those pretty closely related. But depending on how closely you make that connection, we have to also let truth drive our emotions um, if we make that a close connection. And so, I don't know, some of that stuff as far as like, I hope in your word, that helps to ground some of the emotional and spiritual turmoil that could also go on um, in the midst of these unknown and uncertain times. The the affection is the same, right? We have a longing and a desire for um, God's kingdom to come and to put these kinds of things to an end. Um, but we have to, in the midst of it, hope in your word. So the thing that's fascinating about the psalm there, and it's just one verse in a psalm, there's probably many more we could refer to, but the thing that's interesting is there's a longing for salvation, something that's not here yet. Uh, even if it's just that relief, we're not talking here necessarily about ultimate salvation, but there's a longing for relief that's not here yet, but there is a present action that has to happen, and that is hope. So there's hope happening now, um, but it's a hope in your word. There's truth. That that hope has to be driven by truth, I think, um, which ultimately, I think we would argue, our affections have to be driven by truth. So that was one of the things that, that came to my mind. Um, I also uh, thought about Romans 12, uh, 12 here, that, that I think combines uh, the, the affection of joy with hope. Rejoice in hope is what Paul says there. Be patient in tribulation. So he's, you know, he's seeing this joy, hope, tribulation. Um, he's connecting all of those things together, but then he says, be constant in prayer. And so, you know, if I could just be uber spiritual here and combine truth and prayer <laughs> as, um, as these kind of means of hope, maybe we could say it. Um, I don't know, there's a couple things that were, that, that came to my mind. Yeah, I think Peter connects those, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, that rejoicing aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, Adam, that's actually like exactly what Ryan said. Um, oh, well, good. In, in different words, though. <laughs> yeah. It was like Adam words instead of Ryan words. So, <laughs> so we should probably let everyone know that uh, that Adam had technical difficulties in in, yeah, in the, that's in in the scale of the whole computer <laughs> shutdown. Yeah. And, They're uh, just like, why is he why is he repeating that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it was quite different. Well, I think. Uh, it was different and yet um, very, very together, uh, which is which is really cool. Um, Adam, then then as a follow up with you and Ryan, you guys can have a little discussion on this. Just how do you respond in a wise way with this? Um, so, um, if you have hope, if you have affections that are rooted deeply, you you don't want to just throw your hands up and just say, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, um, and just kind of have a a laissez-faire attitude through life, even through a pandemic and, and um, 
crises that, that come up throughout life, but then you also don't want to respond in the other way with everything's falling apart, nothing's, nothing good is happening in my heart and in my life, um, the world's coming to an end, uh, uh, chicken little, I guess it would be the, you know, the sky is falling, but you want to respond in the middle uh, a little bit. You want to respond with compassion and care to those who are in fear, but you also want to have that hope. How, how does that actually work out in life? And, um, I don't know. You guys can talk. About yeah, that. I think, I think there's a, a sense in which, um, yes, in, in the middle is, is kind of the right idea there, but, but maybe that it's, it's a great indicator kind of where, uh, we ought to be all the time. We have a mission, like the Lord has given us a mission on this earth, and it's it's not to build bigger barns because uh, our lives might be required of us tonight. And I think things like a pandemic, even even if for a, a large majority of the population, it's, it's quote, relatively safe, if you will, um, it's still a reminder of our mortality. You know that life is short. We have a mission, though, and uh, this this is an opportunity to hone in and focus on that mission to to make disciples. Um, whether that's through uh, you know of technically discipling believers or making disciples out of unbelievers, um, finding those unbelievers and sharing the gospel with them. Um, so I think I think that's one way that we respond, uh, and it it how how grounded that puts us, right? Because we're not throwing our hands up and running around with, you know, like chickens with our heads cut off thinking we're all going to die. This world's coming to an end. What are we going to do? Well, we know what we're supposed to be doing and we've been supposed to be doing it for a long time. That wasn't grammatically correct in any way, shape or form, but um, nor do we just throw our hands up, right? Because we have a mission. Um, We can't just pretend like nothing bad is happening. Yeah. I um, One of the things that I've been thinking about wisdom for a long time is the is the balance and i think ryan kind of referred to some of that is there's there's always going to be kind of these two polar ends um of extremes like we we flip our ever-loving minds because of this thing is happening and, and we lose all sense of reality or we just kind of sit around and act like nothing's going on and and i think both of those are the wrong um are the wrong answer as it comes to wisdom the wisdom would be more of the middle line and um, I've been thinking about this for some time, and I may be wrong on this, but I um, and I don't I don't want to open up a can of worms that's completely different. But I'm th- I think of the law here. Like the first thing that came to my mind when you asked the question was love your neighbor, and then I started thinking about this. Like, okay, if that's the summary of the law, and if the law is given to God's people as a sense of here is now how you flourish as my people then in some sense, that's that's a wisdom issue. And so if we kind of summarize this whole thing of, okay, how now do we wisely live in light of this? There there certainly is a component of the summary of the law to love God and love your neighbor. Um, and that's going to get fleshed out in a lot of detailed ways that are different, right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, the wise thing to do right now is to invest in our spiritual lives, to to investigate what it is that the Lord is teaching us through this. Um, what is the truth of God's word that that is driving um, how we think through this pandemic spiritually, and how we think through 
um, our own lives. I even, uh, you know, my class was bringing this up yesterday in a, it was an Old Testament survey class and we were in Joel and somehow the locust plague um, popped up as, uh, you know, is this a type of locust plague? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that question. Isn't isn't there a locust plague going on in Russia yeah, or something like that? Yeah, that, that right was now? kind of why this popped up. Yeah, and um, I don't see a coincidence there, my friends. <laughs> well, it, uh, it what my conclusion was was basically I can't tell you the answer to that, but it's always good for us to be asking ourselves the question: What is it that God is trying to teach us? What is it I need to repent of? Right, that was the message of Joel. Here's a locust plague. You need to repent. Um, what is it that I need to repent of? And it, we would be foolish to like pinpoint, this is the plague, this is the message, and this is what I need to repent of. But it's always wise for us to be asking the question. Um, and so that that's one thing, love the Lord your God, that's part of that. But then also loving your neighbor. Um, I just jotted down a couple things here. Like Ryan just mentioned sharing the gospel, looking for opportunities to love our neighbor by sharing the gospel, um, caring for other people, um, investing spiritually via Zoom with our church small groups. Those are just practical, wise ways to be loving our neighbor during a time like this. Um, serving others, for some of us, that means staying at home. And these wisdom issues, there's not like a, I can't tell you that this is what you must do, because it's a wisdom issue. But living out that wisdom and flourishing as God's people, it has to involve loving your neighbor Um and uh, I, I keep thinking, too, we rehearse this with our kids a lot, but Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And um, if that's the example uh, from the preeminent image bearer for us, um, then, then that, that somehow has to work into our, quote, wise living even now. So uh, with, uh, with the whole social distancing, trying to keep everything away, a lot of people are cooped up with their with their families, and um, that that can lead to um, a lot of joyful, fun times, and yes. it can also lead to a lot of um, hair loss and years t- taken off. I'm already there. Yeah, my uh, for my me two- it's for me it's graying, not yeah. loss. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm almost there. My two year old just discovered my my beard. And she's, uh, she's been yanking on that. And that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> so I may shave it off just because I don't want her to pull on it. Not because I'm scared oh, of... Don't do of it. Getting, no. <laughs> I just want to add in here that none of us figured it wise to shave our beards in light of the uh, coronavirus. <laughs> we are true. We are all still, still bearded. <laughs> very that's true. Ex- that's right. Um, but, but with that, spending extra time with your family, how, how do you go from... So let's say... You have all this extra time. We've said, hey, we need to spend more time in the Word and prayer. But that, that can be really hard when you go from zero to 60. Uh, when you're like, hey, let's have family devotions for the next seven hours because we're going to be together for the next seven <laughs> hours. Versus making it a daily routine. And, and how do you kind of ease into that where, hey, my kids don't pay attention. Hey, um, I don't even know where to start. How does... Help, help the, the parents out there, help um, some of us who, who are like, oh man, I, I don't know what to do with all this time. I want to redeem the time, but I've been just spending time on my computer uh, at Zoom. I, I want to jump in on this one first, and I'm going to take the answer a little different direction than you ask the question. Um, but this, 
I'll just mark you wrong. That's right. Um, Incorrect. You, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could always uh, you can always go back and cut this out if you don't like what I have to say. Um, it, it doesn't matter to me, but. Um, I'll just splice it together with yeah, the that'd be that fine. Or you could go back and put it in the section where my computer completely died and I didn't say anything. So um, here's another instance of Adam being gone. So maybe that's just find a place where Adam says no, and then you can splice in the question. Adam, do you have anything to say on that? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this dawned on me yesterday, and I this again is a different thought, but I think it fits here with our families, but. Um, I, uh, I mentioned this to Liz and she agreed. So if I'm dumb, then my, my wife agrees with me. But, um, the thought, the thought crossed wow, my, way to throw her under the bus. There. The thought crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm saying we're on the same page. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, <laughs> this thought crossed my mind that it says, uh, the, the thing that has been kind of, I've been trying to evaluate is all of these comments about, um, I'm now at home with my kids. I'm losing my ever loving mind. Um, I send my kids to school for a reason. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm giving some inflection there that may not be intended on social media, but there seems to be this uproar now that we are at home with our families, with our kids and people are unhappy about it. Um, and that says a lot more about our culture, even in the church that is actually quite concerning to me. Um, I don't know yet what to do with it. I don't know yet how to, if I can say this, prophetically speak into it. I, I'm not sure what to do with that, but it, it's related to the question that you asked because um, we, we again, have two extremes. We can sit around and blubber about how bad it is to be at home with our families. That's one extreme. Or we could spend seven hours in, <laughs> in devotion times um, that just bores our children to death. Um but I think that there there's an element here where now we're at home with our families so that I know a lot of times, at least for us, where, uh, well, I, I, we'll see how this works out because I've been, I have been still going to work, but I'm now going to be at home, but where, you know, maybe dad gets more involved in correction with the children. Um, that is, I think, a godly and wise thing to do. Um, maybe give some relief to our wives in that way. Um I don't I don't know what that's exactly going to look like, but there are a lot of very very good things spiritually that can come from our families uh, from being with our families right now. That uh, I'm not sure what's driving the oh man I'm at home now and I I don't like this life you know that we need to correct that. But I saw I did some one of my colleagues sent this one to me the other day is a video of a guy that you have two options. Option A, stay at home with your family. Option B, B. <laughs> and, you know, it, it is funny. You know, we that, laugh about that. That's not that. funny, Adam. Uh, yeah. Like, we, we get a chuckle out of that, but then uh, it's but it's like, wait a minute. What's driving this, that? This is a good thing. Yeah. You know, this is a good, and it can be a very good thing. So, anyway, I, I'll th- I will throw in and actually answer your question here now. The one thing that, the first thing came to my mind was, um, like I, our church, uh, has been doing online, uh, services and it has actually been really refreshing to have our whole family right there in the room worshiping together, even though our kids are not singing, they're not all singing. 
Um, they're not all listening. They're not all praying. But it, it has been really nice to have that. When we go to church, uh, we've got two kids in kids' worship. We've got one kid in the youth. We've got one kid in, in a, another place. And then uh, we've got one with us there in the service. And then he goes to youth group. And so, like, yeah. we tend to be... I know you <laughs> like that. Wait a second. How many, was that? How many we have kids four. Have? It's just... <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> I'm a Hebrew guy, not a math guy. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's been nice. So we don't, I don't think we necessarily have to create new opportunities uh, for family devotions as much as we need to take full advantage of the ones that have been offered to us during this time. Yeah, I totally agree with, with all of that. One of the things we've kind of just, just sort of the how to, um, even with the, you know, the family worship together uh, with, online services, you know, streamed worship and things like that. Um, two, two parts to this. The first is just, yes, you're just taking incremental steps towards this. Uh, you're, you know, you're using what you've got. This is, is a teaching moment. Uh, this is an opportunity to uh, be together, uh, show the kids how to do it yourself, make sure that you're singing, make sure that you're listening. Um, um, but the other two is, is to to guide them, guide, especially your kids, guide them through it with, with joy and encouragement. Um, I'm, my personality is just so easy to critique. Um, and I sort of have this wrong attitude that, you know, well, if I don't say anything, then that means everything's fine. Um, which as you can imagine would be a horrifically negative experience. Um, after, after last Sunday's online service, you know, I'm sitting over there during the whole time, you know, kind of correcting my kids. And I, just feel my blood pressure rising as the service is wrapping up. The first thing I want to do is be like, okay, guys, that was not okay. Here's what needs to happen next week. And, uh, my wife, so kept, you're telling me they didn't just sit there and they all, they were parts. all, they were all dressed in their, their ties and suits and taking notes the whole time. I don't know oh, what your kids were doing, but you're that family. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I looked over, I see Kathleen kind of start to speak up and I thought, oh, she's, she's pretty frustrated if she's going to say something. Cause she's normally like, she'll find the one tiny silver lining and be like, that was really great kids when you didn't hit each other the whole time, you know, it's like, <laughs> what? Um, but anyway, why I, do we I, have Nerf guns? <laughs> exactly. But I just, I, you know, I think the Holy spirit was just working overtime that day and was like, Hey, look, you need to encourage them. This is a new experience for you. It's a new experience for them. And so I tried to just point to, the things that I could find. Cause I mean, there was a lot of stuff that they did really well also, but you know, Hey, I heard some of you guys singing. Some of you were singing really loudly. That was really great. And, uh, you know, saw some of you taking notes, although, you know, maybe it was a drawing of Spider-Man. It's hard to tell sometimes, but, um, and then tried <laughs> to throw seen some in of the drawings things. that your kids come up with in their notes. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just tried to throw in a few things like, okay, next week, you know, we'll probably have an opportunity to do this again. And here's a few things we'll want to work on. Um, and, you know, I think this, that that's kind of, you know, hey, we're in this new online environment. I think the same kind of things apply to, you know, family worship practices or just even just being around each other more hours. Um, you just, you know, take small steps with it. And I think to the extent that you're trying to lead your family well, that you're, uh, you're leading out with joy, you're leading out um, with encouragement, and uh, then, then the critique becomes something that is heard 
and even appreciated, you know, like seeing it as, as teaching opportunities more than, you know, here's the standard and here's how far below that we are. And we just kind of keep whipping the horse until we get up there or something like that. Yeah, that's good. I, I'll throw in uh, the couple things that came to my mind. There was, um, and Ryan and I have talked about this before, is just the level of inten- of intentionality that is kind of ratcheted up a little bit now. Um, I think that, uh, pay attention to that, I would say, uh, especially as it relates to this notion of family time. Um, I know that uh, I have been... Uh, I have been convicted of uh, feeling the need to stay up on news uh, and kind of what is going on and what are the expectations from the government and things of that nature. And then what I realize is like I'm sitting on the couch with my phone and it doesn't like I'm not dilly dallying because I'm not on Twitter. I'm actually looking at news. But what my children are seeing is me sitting on the couch with my face in my phone. And so, you know, just trying to leverage that intentionality that we have with Zoom and online classes and online church and and all these intentional things that we're doing kind of we need to leverage that into our family times as well and I think that'll make them a whole lot more enjoyable because uh, we don't have some expectation that's not being met we're actually making the expectation with our intentionality um and then secondly I I would maybe encourage people to to lower the expectations, not in an ungodly, not in a way that is, um, not in a way that is unhealthy, but in a way of just like, I mean, for us, we have a 12 year old, a 10 year old, an eight year old and a seven year old. And I like, what do I expect from them in a church service, much less in an online (laughs) church service, you know, (laughs) um, in your living room, uh, you know, but Liz and I found ourselves saying, shh, we're at church. Shh, we're at church, and the kids are looking at me like, "No, Dad, we're in the living room." Like seriously, um, and uh, you know, I said to one of them the other day, I don't remember which one, but I said, "Would you just get up in the middle of church and start dancing like that?" And then the immediate thought right after that was, "Man, you probably would actually." I need to, I need to remember that when you uh, graduate to big church because you you really might would do that. So. So yeah, just having realistic. Okay, let me rephrase that. Don't lower expectations. Have realistic expect expectations that that can help too. Because I see the same thing that you're seeing, Adam, where everyone's like losing their mind that they have to spend time with their family, even in the church, and you're just kind of like, what? Yeah. One, this isn't going to last forever. So so, embrace this season with your whole heart, and mm-hmm. and enjoy that time that you have, like. We talk about how busy we are, and then it's, you know, yep. we talk about going zero to 60, it's like 60 to zero, and and it's like, okay, now you're with the people that you say you want to spend more time with, and not, and then you're like, I can't, I can't do this. So, I think the intentionality, though, is, is good, and I think it'd be fun to hear from from uh, our wives and, and how they, they do that, because they probably do it better than us. It's true. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, I know. Uh, we'll finish up with this. Uh, we're we're in the Lent season. The what? And Lent, L-E-N-T. I don't know what that I, means. I know I'm a, I know I'm I'm a good Catholic. Out um, in Colorado, and everything shifts all of a sudden. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Are, is this, are we not, are is we this not the same Lent? stuff that's in the belly button? Ha! <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, 
but but people have been been giving things up and one of the big things that people give up at least in in our circles that i've seen is is technology and now we're like almost forced into it how committed are you well that's that's actually kind of what i'm wondering and and how i'm thinking of all my students right now who on ash wednesday had the uh ashes on their forehead and i'm now see them in classes three times a week (laughs) exactly I don't know what they gave up, but nonetheless. But I'm just wondering how, like, were the church, uh, like, a lot of things are just like, hey, let's go technology-wise. Like, how, I'm just wondering if it would be wise during this time to actually try to unplug even more so than trying to be plugged in. But I'm just curious on, on what your guys' thoughts are on that. Because uh. hearing news from all these different places can cause... Uh, anxiety, fear, mm-hmm. because everybody's uncertain. Because nobody knows how. You, you can't control a virus. Um, we tr- we're trying to, um, but it, it doesn't work. Um, we we don't have necessary control over that. Um, so I'm just wondering how how that can play into our affections as we we grab our news more than we're rooted in in the scriptures. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking immediately of what I just said a minute ago where I'm sitting on my phone looking at news and it's stuff that I think is important and necessary for this particular situation, but I'm still sitting uh, behind my phone. And so I, I guess I would summarize it and say, absolutely, we should unplug in the right places and in the right ways. And what that means is I don't think we, we don't have, we, we cannot unplug from the church and from community. Um, so, so that's where we need to be thankful and joyful and rejoicing in the hope that we have with one another as the church, not a building, but as the church, that we have this technology to still be able to meet and together and to text each other and to check in. I checked on, in on a friend yesterday from in Wilmington that I don't usually talk to, but it crossed my mind, hey, I need to check in on him and his family. And um, we need to be doing those things. Um, but in the realm where we can unplug from all of the silliness, uh, of, of the social media world and, um, and, and then the, the news that does just ratchet up our anxieties, um, that'd be a great time for us to turn to the truth, uh, turn to God's word, uh, be reminded of truth. And, and I know there's a lot of that there on the social media world right now. You know, people are, are I think, are using social media for good purposes, very good purposes. Um, but uh, I, I think summarizing it and just unplugging in the right ways, it would be a very good thing. But I also would argue that would always be a very good thing, not just in a Corona-geddon. Yeah, I think there's a, I mean, there's definitely a sense of trying to so we keep coming back to that word intentionality um i think one of the beautiful things and i would say one of the greatest uh causes for hope that i've that i've felt in this season is just the intentionality of people particularly the church in the way that they have been doing quadruple backflips to find ways to still be together with one another that churches are finding ways to have services online that that uh, small groups are finding ways to still connect. And I, I don't think we can miss the fact as the people of God that we are now suddenly presented with an unmistakable reality of how much we need this 
and, and by God's grace, how much we even desire this kind of community with the people of God. Um, and I mean, I, the, the first time we had, uh, the, the online service, you know, I'm like, I'm sitting over there nearly in tears the whole time anyway, just thinking of all the people who've been working tirelessly to make this happen of all the families scattered throughout the city and really throughout the world with the, just the millions of churches that exist in the world who are working so hard to, to get this thing, this togetherness with the people of God, to hear the word of God, to sing the praises of God. You know, have we had a moment like that in recent history where everyone's hearts were so obviously inclined towards the Lord and toward the Lord's people? I don't know if we have. So the intentionality of that is just is mind-blowing. And, and I think if that, if that doesn't stir your affections for hope in the kingdom of God, I don't know what will. Um, and so, I mean, that's the, the joyous part. I think the flip side of that is um, there is this long-standing theme in Scripture where when God's people have dull ears and blind eyes and we sort of just get into this flat line of life, the Lord in His grace will take things away from them. And it's, it's often painful. Sometimes it's slight and, and it, there seems to be a ratcheting up that the Lord does. You think about, you know, the curses in the covenant in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. You think about the prophets relying on that message from the Pentateuch, from the Torah, uh, as a means of calling the people back to the Lord. Um, the Lord takes these things away as a, as a way to say, you know, get back to reality. See me for who I am. See me for what I'm calling you to do and to be. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the question always is when you see those messages in the prophets, when you see the Lord doing that throughout Scripture, you're, you're sitting there on the edge of your seat saying, how are they going to respond? And I think that's a moment that we're in. I'm not, I'm not going to, as Adam mentioned earlier, it would be foolish for us to try and say this is exactly what the Lord's doing with this. Um, but but it would be equally foolish for us not to see this as one of those moments um, and to, if there's a word to capture that, to be intentional, uh, to be who God has called us to be. And so, you know, whether that's unplugging from technology, whether that's digging in with our families, finding ways to be together, um, it, you know, if there's a message that I could proclaim through that is like, take this moment that God has given you. Don't like on the one hand, it's a warning, right? Don't, don't make the Lord uh, push us further, right? Don't, don't make more deprivation happen before you get that message, right? We can always hear that message. We can always be more intentional to, to pursue the Lord. Um, but, but find hope in that, right? Our God is calling out to us to be a purified people for his name, to spread his name and glory across the earth. So respond. Yeah, I'm going to bring this full circle to the locust plagues in Joel. <laughs> um, but one of the things that uh, came to my mind while Ryan was talking there was uh, in the book of Joel, the locusts come, and the very things that are taken away, uh, in chapter 1, verse 10, the fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, the oil languishes. And you, you see these three things, grain, wine, and oil, that are destroyed by the locusts. Yep. So you've got your uh, vineyards that are that are destroyed, your grain fields are destroyed, and um, your olive orchards are destroyed. And these are exactly the very things that Israel used to worship. And um, that's what the Lord took away. 
And Ryan said, in his grace, he sometimes will take away our capacities to do these things. And um, But then the hope is, in uh, chapter 2, verse 18, then the Lord became zealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And um, just the hope that this, like you said, Caleb, this is not forever. Um, at least we don't think so right now. But even if it is, um, there is hope that we will all together, as the people of God, worship in the new heavens and the new earth someday for all eternity. And that's that is, if, if that doesn't bring you the affection of joy, then we need to start again somewhere. <laughs> we need your first love. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, gentlemen, we have um, other Zoom calls to get on. Uh, so, I will, I'll. Uh, it's true. And <laughs> <laughs> it's been good to do this. And as we sign off every episode, all uh, five of them, uh, we. <laughs> I think we're up to six now, aren't we? Yes, yeah, something. Uh, there is ultimate joy to be had in this life. It's found in Jesus Christ, even in the middle of crazy, unforeseen circumstances. So pursue him.